Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Daniel Aaron Dilger of AppleInsider.com, Leif Spates from Insider Software about font managers, and tech journalist Rob Pegarero. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> we have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And this week we're digesting the announcements from Apple, but supposedly Wall Street has digested it, a lot of commentators have digested it, and they're none too impressed. Did that surprise you? Well, the the inaccuracy of them is a little bit surprising. What what Wall Street likes to do is set up expectations for Apple that Apple do what the rest of the industry doing is doing, which is failing. Everyone else in the in the industry, apart from Samsung, is failing. They're losing money or they're doing really poorly. Samsung is not losing money. They're making money, but they're not making nearly as much money as Apple is. Their, their gross margins are half what Apple is. So for Wall Street to sit around and expect Apple to follow Samsung is just absolutely ridiculous. So when Apple comes out with a phone and they say, oh, the 5C, that 5C must be cheap. It must be China. It must be only in China. It must be super cheap. In itself, there's a lot of people that predicted that. and A lot of people thought that that's what's going to happen. But if you look at what's actually happening, Apple went from selling three phones to selling four phones. They now have two cheap phones. So previously, you know, for the last two years, Apple has been selling the last two models for cheaper levels. So up until just recently, they were selling the 4 and the 4S along with the 5. Now they're selling two versions of the 5. They basically replaced the 5 with a, with a mainstream color model, the 5C, and they have a, a luxury model, the 5S. In addition to that, they're selling the 4S, and in China, they're, they're going to continue to sell the 4. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, they have a broader range of devices. But, but even outside of that, the 4S is the cheap phone. That's the cheap phone for America. iPhone 4 was already selling well. I mean, they've mentioned that several times. It's selling well in a lot of places. So they're going to continue to sell that in China. Now, that's an interesting question here. Up till now, the iPhone 4 was $459, something like that for right people in america now that it becomes a further removed product from the state of the art does that become 359 dollars or 349 dollars i i haven't looked at what the exact pricing is in china but yes the the 4s is now the, the price that the iphone 4 used to be it's free on contract which means the contract subsidy is around 450 dollars so in, in any event apple has a broader range of devices than they've ever had before and they also have a nicer range of devices because the, both models, um, they're not just reselling the iPhone 5 as their cheaper model next to the iPhone 4S, 5S. They've made it more appealing. You know, they have colors and they have, uh, it has a bigger battery and broader support for LTE. So it's actually a better phone than the 5 was. So basically, it's a repackaging of the 5 at a lower price with a better battery, basically. Yeah, it's an enhanced 5. So if Apple was being really conservative, they could have just come out with the 5C as, as their new phone. But they also came out with a luxury version, which has features that, that no other phone on the market has. I mean, the fingerprint scanner is, is, is you know, it's cool and it's, it's useful and it'll be a good thing for enterprise. And it'll be a good thing for everybody who should be locking their phone but isn't. If your phone is stolen and you didn't, you didn't lock your phone, 
all your stuff is available to anybody who took your phone. And you can bet that next year, the version of the iPhone 6 or 6C, all the iPhones will have fingerprint sensors unless they still sell the 4S. Well, it is an expensive device. I mean, yeah, everything kind of trickles down. But the reason why nobody else has had it is because it's an expensive device to include in a phone. When they're talking about Motorola experimented with it for a while, and part of it was that they couldn't get it to work. Um, A big part of it was that uh, it required specialized software. And, you know, Android appeals to people who want to, like, remix their operating system. And if you're doing that with some specialized bit of hardware, it's harder to get it all to work. So there's a lot of people that have problems with it. And it's also, I mean, there's engineering issues with it too. Remember before Apple released it, there was this guy that came out, he's like a fingerprint expert. And he's saying how a fingerprint scanner is not going to work because it's going to wear out right away. And you know, Apple's solution to that was to embed it in a device and then cover it up with a sapphire lens that protects the device. Because the a fingerprint scanner is basically like a touch sensor with an extremely high accuracy. When you're using the touch sensor integrated into the screen, it's just sensing where your finger is in, in sort of like on the screen in general. But when you touch the ID, what do they call it? Touch ID on the home right, button. Right. It's doing a really high resolution scan of your fingerprint. So it's, it's doing an instantaneous scan because it happens immediately. This is it's based really, on what I heard. Were you at the Apple event? Yes. Okay. So you were on, you were one of the live bloggers. Yeah, I did a live coverage of it. Okay, well, I know that they're going to operate on your wrist tomorrow, I believe. Seriously speaking, there was a comment from somebody that the fingerprint sensor can't work in every case because some people have worn down their fingerprints because they're artists or they use their fingers too much. You know, I hadn't heard that. I've heard of people, you know, who have criminal intent trying to sandpaper down their fingerprints, but I assume that most everybody else, they have fingerprints that can be detected. There's no shortage of, I'm trying to, how, to say this in a word that can go on the radio. Whenever Apple comes out with anything, there's people lining up to, to explain why it's going to be, you know, in trouble and crisis, you know, at the next whatever gate. But I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. What is it? It's like 25% of the population can't see 3D, like 3D television. That's a, that's a big problem. How many people don't have fingerprints? There are people who are born without fingerprints. But how many people? How many people does that affect? Well, the thing, of course, about 3D is that it's a hard sell regardless. It really is because it's not very comfortable. Certain movies are more or less special events, and you're happy to have them in 3D. I understand that. But very much gimmick. Right. But you know, I've and been tenants were saying that everyone is gonna go three D and the phones are gonna go three D and everything's three D and three D and three D and three D. But you know, Apple comes out with a feature that's very practical. You don't have to put in your password every time you unlock your phone or every time you make a purchase. It's a very practical thing. And they're telling us that some people don't have fingerprints and that's gonna be a problem for the rest of us. I mean, just just unbelievable how stupid comes out of the woodwork whenever Apple is involved. Just stupid. So, for example, ZDNet is comparing the iPhone 5S versus the Nokia Lumia 1020. Which nobody cares about. Nobody's Nobody's buying the thing. Literally nobody's buying it. And all the comparisons are irrelevant. Yeah. And all these companies are just bending over backward. All these media wonks are bending over backward to try to give credibility to stuff that nobody wants. It's just like the Zune. It's so annoying to watch. It's just, oh, man, it's just. They're just so desperately trying to give credibility 
to stuff that nobody wants. Well, and we have to also remember here. Products that are bad. They cr- They're products that are bad. Windows Mobile isn't finished. It's been on the market for years now, and it's not finished. And every version requires you to buy a new phone to get it to work. It's not a good product. And yet CNET and all these other companies are just hammering it down people's throats. It's like, pay attention to this thing. Nobody is. And they're just desperate to give Microsoft attention for a product that nobody wants. Yes, actual sales figures can sometimes confound any analyst's expectations when you have to confront the real world. Remember that Nokia's handset division is being purchased by Microsoft for a fire sale price. What do I mean by fire sale? Or remember, Motorola Mobility was bought by Google for $12.5 billion. Microsoft bought Skype, which has no product. Skype is strictly software and a back-end service. And they sold that for $8.5 billion. So Microsoft is paying, what, $7.2 billion for Nokia. This is a fire sale. Nobody wants those phones. I mean, this is the dark, dirty secret of the entire thing. You can compare the specs all you want, but if people aren't buying and people don't like it, it's not relevant. We have a lot more to come with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners, 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, 
What do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. In times of disaster, Internet and mobile networks will go dark. A wealth of online information will be completely inaccessible. Now, imagine the most extensive survival and disaster preparedness library ever created with information for every possible scenario still available to you without online access. That's the survival key. Ben Franklin said it best. By failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. Get your survival key at GetSurvivalKey.com. Quite literally, the key to your survival. GetSurvivalKey.com. What if you had a witness everywhere you drive? Now you can with VideoDashCam.com. From truckers to motorcyclists, the handy Video Dash Cam can be used for insurance claims, accidents, police encounters, road rage, or natural disasters. Has instant screen playback and optional night vision. Get the best quality, affordable HD Dash cameras available at VideoDashCam.com. That's VideoDashCam.com. Or call 855-855-2022. Always have a witness with Video Dash Cam. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider joins us, and he's a busy bee. He was one of those live bloggers that Apple Insider sent over to the event, and he's resting his fingers today, so he's talking rather than actually writing, I think, for a little while to recover from that. That's got to be hard. Do you feel like you're a stenographer when you have to take those things down? Now it kind of flows out of my fingers. Uh, it's difficult to... Um take pictures and try to capture everything that's being said and all together. And I was having all sorts of difficulty afterward. My, my hard drive was flipping out and I photoed like lost track of my library that I have on my phone, my external hard drive because it's too big to fit on my MacBook air anymore. So I was just having crisis after crisis, but worked it out. It was one of the better live blogs out there. I have to tell you, if we look at the event here, once again, if you look at the comparisons, all they see are specs. They don't talk about the performance of the thing because that's difficult to measure with a product that's not shipping. They can't talk too much about the quality of photos because, again, you have to put it in the real world, not just Apple samples, but people take pictures of the things and you see what's going on. You have to look at the benefits of the 64-bit chip, all this other stuff, and you can't do that by a spec sheet. But they're reviewing these products based on specs because only a few hundred reporters actually had a hands-on and those hands-on are what five minutes a piece if that uh we had a lot of time to look at stuff i think apple works really hard to simplify things so there are companies that come out with stuff and they just just one feature after another and they kind of make everything about the same you know level of importance i mean if you look at the the last couple samsung events where they've just 
it's just a real circus dog and pony show. And they, they just blow out all these things and talk about all these things on kind of an equal level. And none of it really stands out. And you start to think, well, what was really cool about the S4? And everybody's like, well, uh, I'm not sure there's some kind of photo features. And, and that's you know, interesting. You made an interesting point there. Let's expand on that. The Samsung Galaxy S4, if you're criticizing Apple for not innovating enough, other than having a load of junkware on the S4 and having slightly better real-world specs, and maybe it's a wee bit bigger, what's the advantage of it? Where's the innovation there? The, the whole notion of innovation is just so ridiculous. I mean, for the last year, the, the tech media has just been re- repeating Samsung's propaganda about how you know Apple is not innovating anymore. I mean, just it's just so incredibly stupid. Because Samsung couldn't come out with a product of its own. I mean, look at the watch thing they made. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Everything it's, it's ridiculous from, from the product it is itself to the fact that it only works with two of their phones to the fact that it costs $300 and it doesn't really do anything. They kind of dropped the conversation. You don't hear too much about that anymore. I think that was a very brief flash in the pan. Nobody pays attention. But the media was just constantly on that about how Samsung beat Apple to the iWatch. You know, it's like, are you joking? Are you nuts? And a lot of them were like, oh, yeah, pay no attention to the fact that it's a bad product. But they beat Apple. You know, it's like, you know what? Samsung and Microsoft beat Apple to tablets and to smartphones. But who's getting beat now? They ignore the the fact that iOS is gaining against Android in the U.S. still. The fact that the iPhone does very well here. There are a lot of other factors, but let's just take a look at this because this gets to be an interesting range of discussion. That is, it's not just what new features you add, but how valuable they are. So, for example, 64-bit. Now, obviously, the most advantage is when you have over 4 gigabytes of RAM, but it offers other advantages where you can boost performance in different ways. And Apple is experienced at this processor and 64-bit transition So it happens almost painlessly. In fact, they had this game publisher on at the event this week, and they said they ported their app to 64-bit in two hours, a big game. Yeah, I mean, Apple really has it down of of moving apps to it. And also, the the 4S, which is 64-bit all the way through, can run 32-bit apps. So so users don't have to worry about the the bit level of their apps. They can just run anything, and and if they get a 64-bit version, it will just work better. And when developers release it, they can release a fat binary. It's identical to what Apple did with OS X. So if if a developer, um, all they have to do is recompile the app and you know make sure that it works, they can put the 64 and 32-bit versions in the same package so that when you get it and you install it on your device, it'll work fine on your you know iPad from last year, and it'll work fine on your iPhone 4S from this year. What is the long-term game plan here with 64-bit? Apple is the first out of the starting gate. And obviously, we expect other smartphone makers will consider it. But then Android has to support 64-bit. And that's no easy process. So is there going to be a 64-bit Android now? Will they have to rush one out? So the the main benefit to 64-bit is... In, you know, there's the the general things of what 64-bit did for desktop computing, which is work with larger data sets and, you know, greater efficiency in working with data in general. In mobile devices, the instruction set of ARM, as you go from 32-bit to 64-bit, is, is modernized and it's streamlined and it's better. So that just makes it work faster 
in itself. You mean more efficient? Yes. So you're going from an instruction set that was developed, you know, back in the day when ARM was created. I mean, remember, ARM started in the early 90s with Apple for the Newton. That's where the instruction set started, and it's just been added to. And the 64-bit instruction set is entirely new, so it's all clean and brand new. You know, I've looked at this a little bit, and people are talking about, oh, yeah, in the future, there's going to be the 64-bit ARM, and, you know, maybe Apple will use it in their MacBooks or something like that. So it was a surprise to everyone, including me, that they came out with it now, and then it's ready, and then it's done. And, you know, people were talking about, oh, Samsung is ahead, and they're coming out with this A15 set, you know, which is designed for servers. The S4 is not faster. It's not visibly faster, even though it uses this A15 core. It was basically just design that Samsung took and put in their chip. Apple has been making custom cores, or they've been customizing the design of the, the chip with the A4, A5, A6. A7 is using an entirely new leap in what it does with 64-bit and the 64-bit instruction set in particular. That is an incredible leap over everybody, including the other big ARM licensees that have a design license to go and, and modify and change things. So the fact that Apple is ahead of everyone is really incredible. And it really shows that all this innovation talk of the last year about how Apple hasn't been coming out with a new tablet every quarter is complete nonsense. And that everyone that's been spewing it doesn't know what they're talking about. Because what, what they've been saying over the last year, that Samsung has taken over the lead and they're, you know, Apple's been left behind and they don't know what they're doing because they're only making the world's most popular smartphone and the one everybody wants, but they're not making just huge tons of junk to ship to China. All those people are demonstrably ignorant about what's actually going on and what's important. Okay, Daniel. Okay, Daniel. You have to settle down for a moment. We are going to have to take a break. <laughs> we have Daniel Aaron Dilger, who's just getting carried away a little bit there from Apple Insider and Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Neighbors, I think you know that I have to do a lot of reading to prepare for my shows for the Tech Night Out Live and, of course, the Paracast. I can't just sit down and read a book. A lot of times I have to get an audio book from audible.com. You know, that's the leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. And you could listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. So, for example, very recently I've been listening once again to the authorized biography, Steve Jobs, by Walter Isaacson. Of course, you remember that great comment that Steve Jobs made that he had cracked the code of building the greatest TV interface ever. Audible has it. With over 100,000 titles of virtually every genre, you'll find just what you're looking for. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial today. Sign up at www.audiblepodcast.com slash technighthowl. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. 
I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time. UtopiaSilver.com believes, as the Declaration of Independence states, that our rights come from God, not from government. The only lawful purpose of any government is to protect and secure the rights of the people, and no man or government has the authority to take what has been given to us by God. Among these rights are life, liberty, property, and the pursuit of happiness. And America's government has ceased to be the protector of liberty and of the people's God-given rights. But we, the people, can return America to greatness if we are willing to stand up and reassert our stolen rights. We ask that you join Utopia Silver in changing America's course in history. To save on health care and improve your health, call Utopia Silver at 888-213-4338. For a limited time, new customers will receive 50% off all colloidal silver and colloidal gold supplements. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A silver, utopiasilver.com. Or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. Daniel Aaron Dilger is getting very excited over what he feels is the media's failure to recognize all the things that Apple did but also look at the things that Apple didn't do. So here on the Tech Night Out Live, let's look more at what was done with the iPhone 5S and the 5C. Now, one thing Apple did, which I think is a really smart move, is they took some of the best apps, the most popular apps on the App Store, which is their own, you know, like iWork and iPhoto and everything, things that you can buy, If you buy a new iPhone, you get those free, free of charge. Now, yes, Samsung puts on a lot of extra software, too. But what Apple is doing is taking best-selling titles and putting them on there free. 
It's not junkware. This is good software. Yeah, the iWork and iLife titles, I mean, they're, they're really pretty incredible for mobile apps. And like they said in the presentation, there's nothing like this for other platforms. I mean, you can go out and maybe find a spreadsheet app and maybe find, you know, music-related apps. But there's nothing like iPhoto, GarageBand, Pages, Keynote, and Numbers on, and- on Android, and certainly not on any other platform. Now, GarageBand is not part of it, is it? I don't think. iPhoto and iMovie, that's what it is. It's right. not GarageBand. Okay, sure. And the fact that they're making all those free with a new phone indicates that it's a better value for Apple to make sure that those apps are broadly available and people have them on their phone, then that Apple's getting $10, $15 for those apps. It also tends to make iWork a standard on the platform. I mean, the easier you make it to get iWork, the more that becomes a standard, and it puts Microsoft farther in left field. Now consider, would Apple also, we don't know yet because Mavericks hasn't been introduced, give you iWork free on a brand new Mac like you get iLife? Haven't they already been free? No, iWork is not free. It's the iLife apps that are free? The iLife apps have been free for a number of years. But now imagine Apple saying, you know what? We're doing this with the iPhone. Let's do it with the Mac also. So when you buy your Mac, you get your iWork free. It's only you know, $60, $20 per app from the App Store now. So it's not a great stretch to say, okay, make that free. This means that every Mac you buy would have free word processing, spreadsheet, and presentation software, but not junk software, but really good stuff. Yeah, and that's a, a big part of what made Office on Windows, is that Microsoft was basically forcing PC makers to bundle it on their machines. I mean, they, they, they did a big push to make sure it was there, and then people started using it. And then they were able to charge $500 for it. But, yeah, I mean, having the software available, there is a little bit of, you know, when you're, when you're going out to buy something full price, when iWork was originally, you know, what was it originally, like $100? I think it was 79 but it might have yeah. been more. You know, it was like, you know, considerable price tag, much cheaper than other office software, but still a barrier. And then they, with the Mac store, they made them basically $20 apps, which is also a barrier, but it's lower. And then on the iOS app store, they're what, $10 apps? Various apps are 10 to $15. So they keep pushing the prices down. So by making them free for iOS users, you're erasing any sort of barrier that prevents people from saying, oh, I don't know if I want to pay $15 for an app. But making that basically part of the part of iOS, the iOS experience, they're like you're saying, they're making it broadly available and kind of standardizing it. And there's really very little competition. I mean, there's a couple sort of office tools you can use, but they're very much from the previous age in, in my in my experience. They're not this touch enabled. I mean, Apple really gave a lot of thought to how to make a like productivity software for iPad. So it'll be interesting to see what what response there is. I mean, remember with with Microsoft, what it was trying to do is it was trying to sell the Surface by withholding Office from the iPad, and I think that's really backfired tremendously because people are not used to using Office on mobile devices, and mobile devices have now been out. I mean, the iPad's been out for three years, so there's and- been this huge long period where no one's been using Office on as as they move to iPads. Now, I guess we can expect then 
that the next generation iPads will probably also have iWork free. Yes, they said that, didn't? Yeah, they explicitly said that in the, in the meeting in the thing. That would be on the iPad too, like all new iOS devices. Ah, okay. I just want to clarify that. So this is even more interesting. Now, obviously, if you bought it already, you might be upset. If you bought the software in the past month, you might complain. But otherwise, here's the situation. Will it come a point where Microsoft is too late? Microsoft sees this. Well, Apple is basically taking away office software market from them by delivering it on iOS devices and maybe even doing it on the Mac. I'm kind of expecting they will. If that happens... Where does that leave Microsoft with developing the next version of Mac Office and also with entering the mobile arena? Obviously, they've been total failures at it right now. Well, it's already happened to an extent because, I mean, remember, I work when it first came out. I mean, it was kind of targeted at, at the time, Office was $500 and got to the point where Microsoft couldn't offer, couldn't ask $500 anymore. And so it's, it's been going on for several years now. But now we're getting to the point where Microsoft has kind of shot itself in the foot by not getting on the iPad. I mean, Microsoft would have been in a much more powerful position if it would have done the same thing it did to the Mac, you know, in the early 90s where they came out with crappier versions for the Mac and better versions for for Windows. So that they had a placeholder version and, and kind of like encouraged people to move to Windows to get the better version of Office. They could have done the same thing with mobile devices saying, you know, hey, we have a we have a crappy version for the iPad, and our better version is for the Surface. So buy the Surface. But instead, they said, no, we don't have any version on the iPad. And we have these you know, sort of unfinished versions on our unfinished tablet called the Surface. Would you please buy it? That certainly didn't work very well. We can go into that a little bit later. Let me go into some of the other criticisms. So, for example, they criticized the iPhone 5C because it was only $100 cheaper than the iPhone 5S. A lot of complaints about that. Everybody was expecting it would be the same price as what the iPhone 4S, this is confusing, cost up until, you know, the other day. Whatever. That was the first complaint. The second complaint that Apple still hasn't introduced a larger screened version, but the Wall Street Journal has a report about that. And when the Wall Street Journal comes out with something like that, you kind of expect there is one in the works for next year. The design of iOS 7 kind of indicates that Apple is looking to a future where there's more variety in device options. I mean, the tools for developers, everything about building apps in iOS 7 is designed with ability to kind of auto layout to support more flexibility in screen sizes. That's been a major feature in Android. I mean, that's, that's a major focus in Android is to support all these devices. But there's so many devices. Have you seen the, I think you mentioned before, the graphic of Samsung tablets, and it just goes from 0 to 60 in this very smooth curve of every, they have every tenth of an inch they have a device for it that's too many devices remember when the ipad first came out and everybody's oh i'm not sure if there's a you know a, a niche between the smartphone and the computer you know sure enough there was and now they're like oh well there's a niche and just infinite niches of products that have to exist between you know four inches five inches five and a half inches six inches six and a half inches seven inch, you know it's, no there's not and when you have that many devices you can't have optimization for any of them. Apple has very clear optimization of handheld devices, the iPod Touch and the iPhone. There's only two different screen sizes and ratios. There's the the older versions, and there's the new, like, iPhone 5 version of the 4-inch screen, which is just a little bit taller. 
So and does Apple go to four and a half inch next or five inches? I don't know exactly what they're going to do. There is some demand for larger screens, and there's some people that like larger screens, and apparently larger screens are particularly big in Asia. However, if you look at what's actually selling, first off, only 40% of the phones that Android licensees build, particularly Samsung, only 40% are iPhone class. Okay, let's go into more of that in a moment. Daniel Aaron Dilger joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Times are changing, and violent crimes against law-abiding citizens are out of control. Protect yourself with legal, affordable, 100% made-in-the-USA ballistic body armor. Available at AR500.com. Rated for calibers up to 308 Winchester. Packages including armor start at only $210. It's the right of every responsible American citizen to own body armor. Get some at 602-501-9607 or AR500.com. Available only at HempUSA.org. It's the first aid stick, and it's a must-have in any medical kit. With fast, chemical-free healing, the first aid stick stops bleeding, kills bacteria, is great for acne, insect bites, minor cuts and abrasions, will last for years, and is just $11.95. Everyone needs the first aid stick in their emergency kit. Call 888-910-4367. 888-910-4367. The first aid stick only at HempUSA.org. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. 
Hi, my name is Scott Fuchs, teacher and rowing coach for over 14 years. I was sluggish, overweight, on prescription drugs, and only 30-something. Fortunately, I was referred to Dr. Z, and happy to say Dr. Z's all-natural protocols over a consistent course resolved my health issues. I'm in the best shape of my life, and most importantly, on zero medications. I'm Dr. Zdanowski, author of Evology, trained as a primary care physician, surgical manipulation under anesthesia, expert in nutrition, diet, weight loss, immune system, and I specialize in chiropractic. My 15 years of professional experience has taught me the four keys to vibrant health, a balanced muscular skeletal system, an integrated nervous system, a flowing lymphatic system, and a body filled with over 90 essential nutrients. This has been a secret too long. Actualize your potential, reverse disease. Call me, Dr. Z. 201-945-1177, 201-945-1177, evolveyourself.com. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So let's get into the makeup of this huge Android universe. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. So you're saying 40% of Android devices are in what we call the iPhone class. What are the other 60% then? Well, they're like iPhone 3GS. They're like older. They're, they're running old hardware. They're running old versions of Android. They're product placeholders. They're free products. They're buy one, get one free. You know, they're, I mean, even the new stuff is buy one, get one free, but they're basically sun Java phones. Remember before Android, there was Java Linux was most, what most phones were. And they sort of worked. They sort of had apps. They were sort of smartphones, but you know, they weren't that good. So Google basically renamed them Android and polished a little bit. But it's still, there's still this fractalization and can't be sure if an app actually runs on a phone. And there's security issues that probably are not going to get patched ever. People have stopped talking about the fact that, you know, every Android phone ever existed has this blue box security problem that blue box is a security company in San Francisco identified as one of the big problems. It's never going to get patched on most phones. So there's a whole lot of issues that Android has. And when they talk about how, oh, Android phones are big, well, how many big phones are actually selling? Because only less than half, like around 40% of Android phones are sort of premium, like higher-end iPhone-class devices. And of those, the numbers that I've seen for larger screen uh, devices, if you look at Google's numbers, which Google's numbers are really difficult to get anything accurate out of because they define resolutions and screen sizes and such sort of broad overlapping buckets that it's not really clear. But if you try to massage any information out of the, out of their data, it indicates that only a, I'm trying to remember the exact percentage, but it seemed like it, when I looked at it, it was around less than 20% were bigger screen phones. And the IDC information that I've seen in China says that 10% are larger screen phones. So it's not like everybody is clamoring for big screen phones. It's just not true. Now, the flip side of that is that Samsung is primarily building 
large screen phones. And the reason why they're building it is because they don't have anything else that they can offer. They don't have anything else they can offer. Their only innovation is large screen phones. When you hear Android fans talking about how innovation, innovation, it's just large screen. That's not really innovation. That's just like, oh, well, what, well, we got a, we got screens between four inches and eight inches that we don't have anything to do with and Apple isn't using. So let's use those. That's not really innovation. That's, that's really recycling. Well, the other question is here is how good the screens are. Now, they use this process, AMOLED, I guess it's called, on the Samsung Galaxy S3 and S4. But you take those things out in even dim sunlight, it washes out completely. You can't see this picture on the screen even when the setting is to maximum brightness. Yeah, so Samsung has very little interest in producing really high quality devices. Apple is almost kind of extreme and it's wanting things to just be really, really nice. And sometimes it's kind of concerning. You think, man, Apple, I think you should like dial down the quality just a little bit to make these more broad, broadly accessible. But what they're doing is apparently working because they're making the most money and they have the most repeat customers. So while these analysts and even me on occasion look at it and say, hmm, maybe you're trying a little too hard. Maybe you're making products that are a little bit too good. The reality is, is when people get a good product, they want another one of the same make. When you get a cheapy, garbagey product that has a huge screen, but it's not very high quality, unless you're you know, a fan of trashy products, you're probably going to want to upgrade next time. You're probably going to want a higher quality product that your friends have. And that's what we're seeing. We're not seeing mass defection from iPhones to Samsung phones or to Android in general. We're not seeing that. Now, one argument given by some going to Android is, gee, you can customize it a lot more than iOS. But when you really ask them, what do you want to customize? Very few have answers for you. Yeah, there's... Uh, the people that are saying that are just ideologically wedded to Android. I mean, it's fine if people wanted to use Android, but the majority of people don't want to use Android. The the same thing happened in the PC world when, you know, there were some people that just really, really loved uh, Linux. And they really, really thought that if Linux could get cheap enough, it could displace Windows, but it didn't. And so no matter how much you love the, you know, the notion of open source and the notion of like having full control and whatever. The thing is the majority of people don't care about those things. And what Apple does is they solve problems. They look at things and say, what do people want that the current iPhone is not giving you? And if you look at every generation of iPhone, the top three features are things that people weren't getting from the previous one that they wanted that solves some sort of problem. It's also either like a competitive problem, like, you know, the first ones didn't have video. You couldn't record video. You couldn't, the first couple iPhones didn't have a very good camera. Um, Things like MMS and tethering. I mean, they're all things that Apple incrementally added to their product to make it better. And every year they hit the number one, two, and three things that competitors are offering that the iPhone hasn't yet offered. Because people keep forgetting the iPhone is the underdog. Apple came into the market much later than everybody else. There was established competition, and Apple has destroyed them all. 
Apple even took Samsung from its position into what the media thinks is an underdog. They think Samsung is coming back to get Apple, when in reality, Samsung is clinging to life. It's Are the- you say clinging to life? How so? They're making half as much money as Apple is. They're putting out twice as many phones, and they're not making as much money. And they're now facing the fact that the easy upgrades have been done. And so when, when everyone came out with expectations of how great the iPhone or the Galaxy S4 would sell, they were greatly disappointed. And Samsung has been warning people all year, all year. They've been warning their investors that the low-hanging fruit in the smartphone industry is over and that going forward, it's going to be a difficult sell to get people to upgrade. And the upgrades that they're offering are not things that people are clamoring to get, which is in marked contrast with the iPhone, because Apple has never warned that the iPhone, the smartphone market is collapsing. The last conference call, Tim Cook said, I don't see that. I don't see that happening. I don't see people not wanting a new iPhone. There's a lot of people clamoring for the high-end iPhone every time it comes out. There's lines. There's people that are wanting every year to get the new one. A lot of people. It's like a mainstream desire to get the latest iPhone. And now the wireless carriers in the U.S. have all these special programs like Jump or or Sprint or whatever they call it anymore, where you pay a little extra and you can upgrade your phone more quickly. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a ripoff. That's, uh, of course it is. But, but in addition to in addition to people wanting the, the high end, there's also a large and increasingly larger group that wants even the low end. So, I mean, Apple kept talking about how they were surprised at how many people wanted the iPhone 4. That's a three-year-old phone. That came out in 2010. But it was a really nice phone in 2010. It's built well, and it works well. And people are picking that over these, you know, a lot of them are newer Android phones that can't run as many apps, as many good apps. There's a huge quantity of garbage, but there's not good apps. There's not the latest apps. There's not exclusive apps that people get on the iPhone. Well, one thing I see, and this is always a problem, is that the comparable app on the Android platform sometimes is unusable. I'll give you one example. Time Magazine. Okay? Galaxy S4 Time Magazine works fine on the iOS. The Android version, the latest and greatest, Half the time, it doesn't open up a story. Half the time, you've got to kill all running applications and open it again to get it to function. The GCN app for my radio network on the Tech Night Out Live and the Powercast, the Android version does not function on the Galaxy S3 or the Galaxy S4. But it works on others, so, of course, the developers are frantically trying to figure out why. We're going to figure out more of what's going on in the real world of technology with Daniel Arendilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Summertime is sale time at Herbal Healer Academy. Current customers know this is the time to save big and stock up at HerbalHealer.com. New customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Right now, Herbal Healer's summer specials include our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale, CoQ10 with Hawthorne, Colon Enhancer, Sea Cucumber, Super Fem and Super Male Plex, plus Glucosamine Chondroitin, our best-selling liquid CalMag Vitamin V, and our colloidal minerals, all on sale for summer at HerbalHealer.com and Herbal Healer also offers certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on to our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education. Since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy at HerbalHealer.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. He was one of the live bloggers, by the way, at Apple's media event this week. Now, we were looking at the criticisms because Apple stock price has gone down. Supposedly, Apple didn't deliver what everybody hoped for, which I don't know what that was. I was thinking, Daniel, maybe they wanted to see a triangular iPhone. Would that have made it? Well, they set the expectation for wanting a $400 iPhone. Apple could have done that. And in which case, they could have turned around and said, oh, well, you know, this is going to hurt your profits because you're going to be in the same position as everybody else in the smartphone industry selling phones that you can't make money on. Remember, these are the same people that demanded that Apple made a netbook. And look where netbooks are now. Net what? Netbooks. Net what? Net. They used to call them netbooks. I'm joking. <laughs> you know, I'm saying, okay, well, all right. Net you don't something. Have a lot of netbooks anymore. Yeah. I think there are three of them right now left in the world. They call them net what? Because it never went anywhere. That's it. They want Apple to duplicate what everybody else builds. Which is really bizarre. I mean, you'd think, you'd think if you have one company in the entire industry, in the entire mobile and PC industries, that's making money when everybody else isn't, and that's creating desirable products that people want, as opposed to junk that people don't really care about, you'd think they would be recommending that everybody else follow what Apple's doing instead of recommending that Apple follow what everybody else is doing that's not working out. Well, you know, there was a rumor briefly that 
The fingerprint sensor would use an NFC technology, but why would that make sense? Because you're touching it. You don't need a communications technology like that, but any excuse at all to say, why isn't Apple delivering NFC? Yeah, that's almost mind-boggling that they're still trumpeting NFC as if it's something that Apple needs to follow. Really, really mind-boggling. Well, the thing is here, does this put the nail in NFC's coffin? I mean, I don't know of any dealer who uses it. You told me a while back that you tried a phone with NFC and you couldn't find a store that supported the technology. But now what Apple is doing with iOS 7 is to use Bluetooth, which is an existing protocol for short-distance networking, to transfer files. Yeah, a lot of it is about, again, it's about solving a problem that exists as opposed to inventing a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. There are a lot of uh, examples of, of NFC working in certain markets. For example, in Japan, it's apparently popular. There's also like a lot of transit agencies have dongles or tap, you know, in San Francisco, you get a card and you tap it on the gate to go in and that's your ticket. It's NFC technology and it works in a variety of different ways. But Google's effort to put it on your smartphone solved no problem because nobody is saying, hmm, I don't like my credit card. Everybody knows how a credit card works. They like it and they it's great that way. Everyone knows how a transit ticket works. And while there is probably some benefit to having everything like in in your wallet, you know, and not not in a wallet, um, one thing that occurs to me is that when you're coming home and perhaps you've had some drinks and you're trying to get something to work and your phone is dead, you now don't have a credit card or a transit ticket or any of the things you integrated into your Google Wallet. So your SOL not a, not a great experience and everyone has probably experienced your phone going dead prematurely or you know using it too much and oh shoot my phone's dead i don't have a battery don't didn't bring my charger hey how do i get home how do i make purchases how do i do anything because everything is tied to google wallet or you know some other nfc technology that is requires a battery to function so well, i don't need a battery for my credit card also i worry about security I mean, someone grabs your phone and starts making purchases or has some sort of NFC reader that can read it while you walk past it or touches your phone and, you know, digital pickpocketing. So, I mean, the whole thing is a solution to problems that don't exist. People aren't saying, oh, my my goodness, I have too many credit cards and I don't want them all. My, I I just wanted some electronic thing that makes it, you know, introduces security issues. Nobody's saying that. If I think about things that I don't like about the iPhone, one of them is every time I either have to have no security, I have to turn the passcode off, or I have to turn hit the passcode every time I type it in. So having a fingerprint scanner do that for me, huge benefit. Very useful. means I can make sure that my phone is locked all the time, and it's not even a difficulty to unlock it. That is a very smart, innovative feature. And the way that Apple has implemented it in a ruggedized case that isn't exposed, it doesn't get clogged up, doesn't get dirty. I've seen I've seen these same kind of readers, and they're built by Authentic. Everyone was using Authentic sensors before because they're the, the product leader. I've seen them on clunky, like, Windows tablet things where you use it to log in, and they work okay, but they get dirty. So Apple solved a lot of problems. So that I mean, these are all examples of real innovation, solving real problems to solve a problem, not just introducing some fluff 
doesn't really solve any problems and introduces new ones, which is what Android is all about. Google has been launching initiatives over and over and over again to solve problems that don't really exist. Well, you know what's interesting about Google development? They were talking about a Google Android 5.0, and then it's become a 4.4, and it's no longer Key Lime Pie. It's now called Kit Kat. That's that candy that clicks. You know, it's like what Microsoft is imitating when they do the Surface tablets, all that clicking. The Kit Kat's the original. I don't understand it. They haven't explained what features it's going to offer. It seems as if Android development has fallen off the earth. Yeah, and isn't that great innovation that they've tied it into marketing with a chocolate bar? I mean, that's innovation. And, you know, I have a message for Nestle. It's going to be really great for you for the first year when the new Android is associated with your candy bar. But what happens after it's passe, after it's the Froyo? Two years afterward, it's going to be like, oh, you're running KitKat? That's out of date. That's awful. It's expired. That's a <laughs> What a stupid product tie-in. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine being the company like, yeah, our brand's going to be associated with Android. It's like, you know what? It's going to be associated with Android for a year. And then it's going to be associated with the old version of Android that nobody wants. <laughs> it's just stupid. And no one in the media has even like pointed that out. Everyone's like, oh, Kit Kat, oh, chocolate. You know, this is so exciting. It's such innovation. And it's, what are oh, the features? <laughs> Android doesn't have to have features. It has fans. That, that's enough to keep it going. <laughs> it's been it's been enough so far. What are Android's features so far? It doesn't matter. They have fans. Well, I'm basically trying to figure out what features are going to be in that new version. But it looks like there were fairly regular updates for a while. And then at that Google Go or Google Gone meeting, which took place earlier this year, people were expecting news about Android 5.0. It's as if they're not even developing that anymore. They're not making a big deal. We hardly hear about Android and what's happening with it. We mostly hear about the phones and the junkware. So, well, for example, Android. with Samsung, when do they talk about Android or the Android ecosystem? They talk about all the junk they throw on the phone with useless apps like Tilt to Scroll that simply do not work. So, Daniel, this is part of what it is. Apple has to add tilt-to-scroll. I can't get tilt-to-scroll to work on a Samsung phone, so why would Apple want to consider that? Yeah, that doesn't seem like a good idea. The, the other thing, the moving your hand, they keep talking about this in their commercials. You move your hand over the phone to, like, I don't know, turn the page or you know, navigate, answer the phone. You, like, put your hand over the phone without touching it. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so that's, you know, gimmicky. But you know, you look at it and it's like, it's not really working. So the way you do it, you have to lay it down on a, on a table, make sure that it's flat because if it's at, a, at an angle, like if you're holding it in your hand, that wouldn't work. You have to hold, have to lay it flat and then you have to like wave your hand over it. And again, you think, what problem is this solving? I want to answer my phone with my hand without it touching. You know, it's just stupid. It's just purely stupid. And yet the media is just eating it up like this is what innovation is it's you know introducing something stupid for us to like comment and you know lavish with praise even though a it doesn't work as you point out b it's doesn't make sense c it serves no purpose that's it serves no purpose i'm wondering what i could use it for we have Aunt daniel aaron dilger of roughly drafted magazine joins us i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live <laughs> 
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, this is Eric Hamburg with Midas Resources Gold and Silver. Ever wonder why billionaires like Warren Buffett, John Paulson, are dumping their shares of U.S. company stocks? Do they know something we don't? No investor wants to own stocks with falling profit margins and shrinking dividends. Is it possible a 1987-style market crash is coming? Are these investors aware of a massive correction of up to 90%? Call me, Eric Hamburg, at 800-686-2237, extension 120, and find out why gold and silver are the only true safe haven. With the event-driven risks, such as volatility in the financial market and conflict in Syria and the Middle East, the sky is the limit for gold and silver. That's Eric Hamburg, 800 686 extension 120 and I'll send you a, a brochure explaining why gold and silver are the only way to preserve your purchasing power as a currency's value crumbles and gold being priced in dollars metals value will skyrocket again that's Eric Hamburg Midas Resources 800-686-2237 extension 120 September is National Preparedness Month in the U.S. and it's National Savings Month at Freeze Dry Guy. Are you prepared to save? All Mountain House freeze-dried foods and number 10 cans are now 40% off at freezedryguy.com. These long-lasting foods for emergency preparedness with a guaranteed 25-year shelf life are 40% off at freezedryguy.com. These easy foods for camping, backpacking, hunting, and sailing are 40% off at freezedryguy.com. These delicious foods, freeze-dried to lock in the taste, aroma, and freshness, are 40% off at freezedryguy.com. All cans of Mountain House freeze-dried meats, entrees, fruits, and veggies are 40% off at freezedryguy.com. Be prepared and save 40% now through September 30th at freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD. These days, so many suffer from heartburn, stomach ulcers, and acid reflux. And most never realize it is the high acidity within the body that causes their discomfort. While selective diet choices can help, AlkaVision Plasma pH drops can really make a change. A few drops added to water can optimize your body's pH level, ridding you of harmful waste and acid, promoting health, and restoring vibrance and energy. Healthy pH levels make all the difference. High acidity can also cause depression, insomnia, and irritability. 
AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops bring you vital balance that can be truly life-changing. Alkalizing boosts immune response, reduces headaches and cramping, and even helps prevent bone loss. This is simple science that helps your body do what's natural. Order your AlkaVision pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. One more sec with Daniel Aaron Dilgraf, Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. Let's look at what's going on with Microsoft now. Microsoft is buying the remnants of Nokia's failed handset division. Now, Microsoft has a very poor record of acquisitions. Most of the acquisitions they do simply do not pay off. I mean, we even go back to Web TV, which they're killing this year. Skype they paid $8.5 billion for, and Skype works fine, but I can't imagine how they'll ever recover that amount of money. So now you buy the Nokia handset division, and the first thing that happens, of course, when you buy a company or a division of a company, for the first six months or year, while all this is going on, all the paperwork, the regulatory approvals, that company's product roadmap stops to a crawl, doesn't it? Yes, and if you look at what Nokia is already saying is its problem, is not internal problems so much as waiting on Microsoft to get its software ready. So Nokia is coming out with all its hardware, and they're kind of flummoxed by the fact that Microsoft can't deliver Windows Phone on time. That's Microsoft's, That's one of Nokia's biggest problems. So now that Microsoft has Nokia and is taking over things, what's going to happen? Is it going to make Microsoft better? At putting out Windows Phone, I don't see how that's going to change. If anything, it's going to make, you know, the newly acquired bits of Nokia less efficient at building hardware. So, I mean, you know, two turkeys don't take flight, whatever <laughs> whatever the Google guy said about when they first announced their partnership. Well, I still wonder about this here. Where the advantage? And then you have the executive who was in charge of Nokia, Stephen Elop, who came from Microsoft. So he makes a division fail. Then they bring him back to Microsoft. So how does, you know, someone who has already shown he can't run a company, how is he going to gain anything from going back to Microsoft? They're even grooming him to be the CEO. That's a laugh. Oh, I don't think they are. I, th- I think they're continuing to look elsewhere. But, yeah, where do you find a, a CEO for Microsoft? I mean, you wouldn't think it would be much hard, very hard to, like, do better, but still. It's like, once you're in this position of free fall, how do you change course? How do you set a new direction for Microsoft? It, you know, I mean, what they're doing makes some sense. They're saying, you know, basically our model, our Windows model that we've been working on since the 90s and that the entire world has decided is the way technology must be sold, must be broadly licensed like Windows, even though nobody else has ever made that work besides Windows. 
Microsoft is now admitting, yep, that's a failure. Because in the future, we're not going to be licensing Windows Phone to a bunch of companies because that hasn't been working for the last several years. Now, technically, Steve Ballmer says, oh, the OEMs are delighted over this. Well, yeah, I guess if they're not very sane, because the only OEMs that are producing any Windows Phone in any quantity other than Nokia are Samsung and HTC. And that's, what, 10 or 20% of the total. So you can bet that now that this has happened, they will simply say, well, we don't need this anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be better for the other audience, but they almost don't even matter. I mean, really, what what is the HTC Windows phone that anybody cares about? What is the Samsung Windows phone that anyone, including Samsung, cares about? Nobody cares about Windows phone. Nobody even cares about Windows phone on Lumia, Nokia products. So, I mean, the, the thing is, it makes some sense for Microsoft to say, yes, admission of failure, we cannot sell a broadly licensed smartphone platform. It wasn't working with Windows Mobile, and it's not working now. In you know, certainly part of it is the fact that um, Google's giving away Android. How do you sell a product when they're giving it away? But on top of that, um, they're now facing competition from the iPhone in a way that they have not been able to respond to, which is identical to what you know what they were doing with the iPod, with Plays for Sure, and then they tried the Zune, and none of that worked. But still, what they're saying is, instead of doubling down on this, you know, licensing Windows everywhere, we're just going to go and become Apple. We're just going to try to become a devices company where we're selling an Xbox and a, you know, we're not selling the Zune anymore, but we're selling a Windows phone with Nokia branding, Lumia branding. Whatever. And they're also selling the Surface Tablet 2 or 3. So that they're doing also. Now, look at Google with Motorola. That hasn't done a lot either, has it? (laughs) <laughs> it's lost a lot of money. <laughs> hasn't hasn't done a lot. But yeah, I mean that that is a similar um a similar admission by Google of the same thing. That Google's whole thing is we're gonna become the next Windows. Well, that isn't working out. Google makes pretty much nothing on Android. And even its advertising and other initiatives are not making very much money because the clientele that Android is uh, is appealing to and is reaching is not worth advertising to. And it's not worth building apps for because those people don't pay for things. So Google has, has basically amassed the more worthless um, segment of what would be, you know, the Windows whatever. It's like they cornered the market on netbooks just before the iPad. Well, that worked out well for Asus, didn't it? You know. So what Google is saying is, hey, we're going to buy our own company, and we're going to like show the world how to make good Android phones that are like the iPhone. Except they bought a company that's failing, and ever since buying that company that is failing, purportedly for its patents, but those patents have been worthless to the point where Google is, is now facing liability for patent abuse, millions of $14 million in, in most recently for trying to basically shaft Microsoft over the patents that it bought from Motorola that completely backfired. The rest of Motorola's product categories and um, product pipeline is garbage. Google's, I think it's a CFO. One of the executives referred to dumping the pipeline. It's like we have this 18 month pipeline of Motorola that we have to drain like it's, 
impacted with sewage. At some point in the future, they're going to start from zero and start making phones that people want. But the fact that they're, you know, the whole Motorola X strategy is all about creating little batches of phones in America. The only advantage to that is they can't be stopped by ITC bans because they're not importing them from outside the country. So they can continue to infringe on patents with, you know, non-immediate problems with import bans. They can still get sued, but they can't get an import ban. So, I mean, Google's strategy is just looking shattered and in flames. And they've they've lost like $1.2 billion over the last year in buying Motorola, in addition to the purchase price and the additional liability from patents. So, but but the end result is that Google is also trying to be Apple. They're not trying to be another Windows. They're trying to be Apple. Just like Microsoft now wants to be Apple. Daniel Aaron Dilger, tell our listeners, please, where we can find more of your stuff. I write for Apple Insider, and I write for RevelyDrafted.com. Okay, Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Yeah, thanks for having me. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Hi there. My name is Frank Bates. What I'm about to tell you in the next 60 seconds could get me in a lot of trouble. I just created a free video presentation at 123coverup.com that exposes the electricity monopolies and government agencies for what they really are, incompetent, lying crooks that are counting on your ignorance and fear to keep your power bills criminally high. Some have called this a conspiracy. Others have called it a cover-up, and you will be shocked to find out how deep the conspiracy goes. My video at 123coverup.com exposes the truth and shows you the secret of how I beat them and how you can beat them too. Watch the controversial video that thousands of other smart patriots have already seen in the last three months. Go to 123coverup.com and discover one weird trick to slash your power bill and protect your home. Go watch my video now at 123coverup.com before they force me to shut it down. Again, that's 123coverup.com. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. 
Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All renovation teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order renovation teas at renovationtea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Weakened by GMOs, stressed out about money, and blasted by the electric environment. Hi, I'm Pastor Jenny, and that was the state I was in back in 2010. Then I learned about RNA drops. I learned that 97% of my DNA that scientists have called junk is actually packed with millions of gene switches that play a critical role in controlling how my cells, organs, and other tissues behave. I learned I don't have to put up with disease, decay, or decline like I'd been conditioned to believe. I began taking RNA Drops, a 100% natural formula designed to turn on those switches and provide me with amazing health and joy. Learn more about RNA Drops and order a free sample today. Visit rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call toll-free. 888-577-3703. Pay only shipping and handling for a free 30-day supply of RNA drops. Get the information you need and the health you want at rnafreesample.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. Here on the Tech Night Out Live, we have Leif Spates. He is the Director of Sales for the U.S. for Insider Software. And I know if you haven't listened for the show more than a year or two, you haven't heard of Insider Software. They're publishers of a product called Font Agent Pro. It's been around for quite a while. And the key thing about it is this is a font manager. Now, why would you want to manage your fund? So let's, therein lies a tale, and let's talk to Leith about that and about the fact that, you know, funds are so important, especially on the Mac platform. We argue so much about the choice of funds. As a matter of fact, just to give an example, with a new version of iOS, iOS 7, there's a lot of argument, a lot of debate, as you know, Leith, over Apple's choice of funds, right? That's correct. So tell me about the company and about how you got involved with Fonts. That's a really long story, but I have about a 30-year history in, in, the, uh, in the computer and technology uh, field, uh, mostly in desktop publishing and video. So I've been around for quite a while. Uh, I've seen it from its infancy of the disk drives to PageMaker to Quark Express, you know, and hence uh, you know, the various things that uh, came after that, which eventually landed me here at Insider Software. Um, so I have a lot of background in publishing, working with large companies, things like that, and what they needed, and actually helped teach, train, and develop technologies that um, helped people move forward with desktop publishing over the years. Now, desktop publishing started its way on the Mac platform. Is that how you got involved as a Mac user? Yeah, I got involved as a Mac user back in '84, uh, and uh, started from there. And uh, started uh, working with folks with the floppy drives and the page makers and the, the Work Express. And, you know, over those years, the, the biggest thing people complained about was fonts. Uh, always. That was always the complaint. 
you know, even to this day, it's still the complaint, you know, fonts are always giving me a problem. And, you know, lo and behold, as the years went by, uh, people started uh, coming up with ideas for managing fonts. Before we go into managing fonts, let's talk about the problem. Mm-hmm. What are the problems that people have with their fonts that they need some way to manage the use of them? I think the big, the biggest problem that people come up with is the uh, system performance, the fonts printing correctly, and displaying correctly on the screen would be the three biggest issues that people face. And having a font manager helps manage those issues. Now, this is an example, especially in the old days, when you didn't have things like true type fonts and open type fonts. And you still have them. You had something called PostScript fonts, where in their infinite wisdom, the folks at Adobe decided there will be a printer font, which would be what is sent to your printer, a high-resolution file. And then there will be a screen font for screen display. The problem with two separate files, if one got waylaid, you had a problem. That's correct. That, that caused a lot of calls to support centers, etc., you know, if you're missing the screen font, you can't show the font correctly. Hence, you can't see the document correctly, and that could hold up production. Uh, so having all that stuff function correctly uh, allows uh, these people that were producing the content to maintain their deadlines. Let me go back in the past here. One thing about the screen font is normally they were available in a number of common sizes. And if you didn't choose that common size... Say you had 10-point and 12-point and 18-point, but you want 16-point, but with scale down, it would be kind of bitmap. So in their infinite wisdom, Adobe, having invented this mess, decided to have something called Adobe Type Manager that would work with the screen fonts to render the printer fonts on the screen so it would be clear in all sizes. That's ancient, isn't it? That is, that is. But, you know, funny thing you say that is one of the best ways of managing fonts back in the old days before a lot of these other font managers came around. And, you know, people saw this opportunity to create something that was more robust and more feature rich. And hence, you know, people started developing font managers like Insider. Okay. Before we get to the font manager, let's get to the second category of this. Okay. They finally came up with a format called TrueType, which was Apple and Microsoft, by the way. And TrueType combined them into one file, which was useful. You only need one file for the screen and the printer font. But now explain to our listeners, we know what the PostScript font is because I just told you. Fundamentally, how does the TrueType font differ other than being a combined file? And what is OpenType? Those can be two very long conversations. But the, sh- the short of it is, is that in combining the files, it makes it easier for cross-platform and larger language capabilities. And I'll speak with OpenType. OpenType gives you a much larger breadth of choices in language, including your Oriental languages, and a much larger set of characters so that you can handle those languages. And so having those those types of fonts helps all aspects of people publishing in different languages communicate better because they can actually deliver fonts and glyphs and things like that that people can actually use, and having a font manager helps deal with that, especially when you're looking at character sets that could be up to, say, open-type character sets can be up to 49,000 different characters in a single font, and uh, without a font manager, that can get a little messy. I'll tell you, that's a lot of characters, more ways than one. I know a lot of characters myself personally, but not 49,000. Okay. (laughs) All right, let's figure this out here now. And the other thing here, and this is really going to create the need for a font manager, and ladies and gentlemen, you'll understand this if you have a lot of fonts, And that is, 
There are different companies, software publishers, or font foundries that have their own version of a font. So therefore, you want times, it may not be the same times that I have. It may be one company's times, it may be Adobe's, it may be somebody else's. So the next thing, of course, is having multiple versions of the same font and needing to sort them out. And part of it is licensing. You know, you had to pay a license fee, as you still do, to use Helvetica, for example. Helvetica is a licensed font. You've got to pay as part of the fee you pay for buying a font. You pay the license fee, and that's what Apple does. When Apple offers a font, they're paying the license fee for almost like a site license. But then you had the knockoff version of the font, which is kind of sort of similar, but not the same thing. And the reason you do that is because the company who builds that particular font doesn't have to pay the license fee. The end of the story is, though, suddenly you have 10 different versions of the same font, and you choose one in your InDesign or Quark Express document. I've got another one, and you've got these crazy conflicts. So this is another reason for a font manager. Isn't it too bad we can't have just a true Sylvaneer, a true Helvetica, and none of the knockoffs? I bet you had a lot of problems with those. Oh, you know, again, here we're, we're talking about something that's, you know, um, uh, let's talk about IT departments and large corporations and things like that that have to deal with these messes that the designers inadvertently create. Um, you know, they go out on the street and buy a bunch of fonts for five bucks or download them for free, and they're all different, as you, were, as you said. This is where it's difficult because just because it's named one thing doesn't mean that it's actually the same font. Um, there's a lot of detail in fonts um, that can be gathered and manipulated uh, into making sure that the correct font is displayed in that document, or at least tell you that we don't even have the correct font, but here are the closest ones. Um, and this is why font managers are so important. They can actually detect which is the correct font, how it's being used, what version it is, the data that's in the font, um, was it what foundry did it come from? Was it from Adobe or Linotype? or some unknown person who created it uh, at their desk one day and decided to put it out there on the web for people to use. So a font manager helps discern through all that real quick and then give the user the feedback they need to make the correct decisions as far as which font they're going to use. They also provide a display of fonts. So if you have 300 fonts, and I've got a few hundred still left after all these years, and I want to create a document, and I go through the 300 fonts, a font manager helps me go through that, pick the ones that look best, see a sample, because it's not just having a pretty R or a very nice A, is how does it look with real text? How does it look with the document that you're preparing? How is it going to look? How is it going to flow? The artistic merit of a font is a very critical thing for people who want to design things like that. Leif Spates joins us. He's from Insider Software. And their product is Font Agent Pro. We'll be hearing much more about that in the next segment on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, 
head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. You've thought about it for years. Well, the time is now. You need a secret bunker, and you need it deep and strong. Atlas Survival Shelters should be your first and only choice. The experts at Atlas can help you choose a shelter that has all the comforts of your home and is 11 times stronger than square box shelters. Call Atlas at 1-855-4BUNKERS. 1-855-4BUNKERS. Or visit IWantThatBunker.com. Atlas Survival Shelters. Better prepared than scared. Celebrate National Preparedness Month with BePrepared.com. This September, get 31% off our new Supreme Pizza Combo. All the food, storage, ingredients you need for delicious homemade pizzas. Now or years from now. Regularly $143.85, now just $99.99. Also save 30% on Provident Pantry Scrambled Egg Mix. On sale for $21.99 this month only. For September deals, call Emergency Essentials at 800-999-1863. Or visit BePrepared.com. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Leaf Spates. 
He is the director of sales for Insider Software. Their product is a font manager. It's called Font Agent Pro. So now tell us about the arrival of the font manager. Obviously, someone had to come out with solutions on this. There were several, of which you're one of the few that's left. So when we're looking at a font manager, why do we pick you, say, over the font book that Apple gives you with OS X? Well, there's a number of reasons, and let's talk about the most important one. If you're a user that's using a lot of fonts, and I don't mean a few hundred, but maybe a few thousand, you're using a, a two, five, ten, maybe you're you know a real font person and you've got 50,000 fonts. Uh, managing that in a, in a consumer-based font application such as Fontbook or others that are free or very low cost can cause issues. They don't, ma- they don't really manage them properly. They don't auto-activate them properly. They don't necessarily give you the feedback and the information that's in the font for you to make the correct decisions. Let's go about auto-activating first. This is such a key thing. Explain what auto-activating means for the graphic artist or anyone using fonts. Auto-activation is a very easy way for a designer or production person to make sure that the fonts that are in the document are loading without them having to make decisions on which fonts to actually activate and then open the document. Auto-activation is very powerful. It allows you to make sure that the correct fonts are being loaded in the document. And to make it even more uh, critical in this situation, if you don't load the right fonts, the documents will reflow, and then that could mess everything up and cause hours and hours of work. So auto-activation is a nice feature to help streamline and eliminate some of the decision-making that a designer or a production person has to make. Uh, for that document. Now, you don't want to have your 10,000 fonts activated all at once. Otherwise, you go through your font menu and you spend a week and a half picking it out. So, obviously, you're only going to want to activate the fonts you absolutely need. Correct. And that's another reason why auto-activation is so important. It only activates the fonts you need for that particular document. If you choose to add more fonts to that document, then you add them as needed. Uh, case in point, if anybody uses Microsoft Office, they'll know if they load too many fonts at any one time, it makes the program so slow, it's unusable. You mean it's not already too slow to be usable? Well, I'm being nice. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I mean, having a font manager, even in a Word, in a, you know, Microsoft Word is important because it helps system performance. And, and uh, with those types of applications, uh, having a lot of fonts loading up in the menus can be a, a very tedious and time-consuming thing waiting for documents to load. So A font manager is more than just getting the documents right as far as the fonts are concerned, but it also helps system performance. That's an important thing here. How many fonts can your OS handle before things really slow down tremendously? I don't mean the 10-mile-long font menu, but under OS X, for example, how many fonts do you really want to have activated? Um, Generally, you want to have the, the least amount activated at any given time just for system performance reasons. Um, but you can have activated or loaded in your system several thousand fonts, but that comes as a pr- at a price. It will slow your computer down. You know, with a font manager, you can have a much wider choice of fonts to work with, and you know, being able to view them, look at them, and turn them off and on as needed. So that's a really uh, good point, and, and uh, why a font manager is important. It's just system performance. Now, when you have auto activate enabled, does that mean when you close that document, the fonts turned off? Yes, uh, depending on how you have the application set, you can actually have the fonts turn off when the document is closed, or you can have them left on. It just depends on what your preference settings are. 
Okay, so now I've got it set. Do I have to do something with the application to allow it to auto load apps? I'm thinking of InDesign or Quark Express. Do I have to add extra things to those applications for auto loading to take place? Yes, you do, and that's a very good point. Um, within our application, when it's when you install it, it allows you to choose what plugins that you want to install. And we offer plugins for you know all the Adobe Creative Suite line, as well as uh, all the current shipping versions of Quark. And uh, for the user, all it is is clicking on a button, and we install it for them automatically so they don't have to go digging around in the application files themselves. That's very important because in the old days, you had to really finagle and figure out where to put those things, where the plugins folder was, and now, of course, you're making it a whole lot easier. What about applications like Microsoft Word? Because people still use Word to prepare for e-books, to prepare for print-on-demand books. They do Word files. Can you use auto-activation with Word? Well, in some cases, you would have to have the font manager on, and you'd activate the fonts. And that's how that would work, unless they were already pre-activated. So, no, you don't have a plug-in, per se, for for Word or Excel, but um, you can activate fonts and have them available for use in those menus, but it does require the font manager to be open. Okay, that's Microsoft's fault, by the way. It's probably very difficult to design a workaround for that. All right, let's look at Font Agent Pro. This is version 6 out now, right? That's correct. Okay, so tell us in the next few minutes, what does Font Agent Pro 6 do for us? Font Engine Pro 6 is the uh, latest release of Insider Software's font management utility. It incorporates the ability to manage up to 100,000 fonts uh, locally on your computer. It also has a server component and a cloud server component where you can actually store your font assets on a land-based server or on a cloud-based server. It offers a number of features in which to manage and view those fonts, turn them on and off, find search, classify, extensive help menus, as well as a new feature called the Workflow Center, where we actually take automated scripts and allow the users to click a single button and have it find all the fonts on your computer. And that's like a really helpful feature. Let's say you haven't looked around your computer for your fonts or you're looking for something new. You know, sometimes when you go back in your closet, you find that old pair of shoes and using that feature allows you to find that old group of fonts you forgot about. So having you know these automated scripts like find all the fonts on your computer could be a very helpful tool for a designer. Locate something they've lost or add a comment to a group of fonts and automate that. So instead of adding a comment to every font that they want to add to, they can basically select the font folder with the fonts they want to add a comment to, hit the automation script, and it will automatically add that comment to each font. We've we've helped streamline a lot of that with the Workflow Center, so that's one of the new things. And, of course, uh, Adobe's Creative Cloud uh, products and the plug-in support for Adobe Creative Cloud as well. Now, this is very interesting here when you mention this organization of fonts. I have a friend of mine who's a graphic designer, and he is constantly calling me with problems fonts. I can't find this font, or this font is damaged. The font file becomes corrupted. Does that still happen? Yes, it does. Fonts do become corrupted, um, or the caches of the fonts become corrupted. And we have a product called Smasher that actually allows you to uh, root out some of the uh, corrupted cache files that uh, people may have problems with, such as bad printing or a file not, uh, you know, not viewing a font in a particular file. And then if we also have a verification process in the program, 
So no font actually gets into Font Agent Pro until it goes through that stringent verification process. If it doesn't meet that verification uh, criteria, it won't be put into Font Agent Pro and the user can't use it. That usually means the best thing to do is to take that font, throw it away, and reload it from the original uh, CD or download it from wherever you purchased it from. There's no way to repair those things. No, uh, there really isn't, unless you're willing to spend a little bit more money and, and buy something like FontLab, where you can actually go in and make modifications to the font to make it more functional. But that's um, on a much higher level advanced uh, situation that uh, the general user wouldn't even know how to approach. And designing fonts is an art unto itself. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. And designing fonts isn't something we do in a font manager, um, but we, we do have a lot of customers that do design their own fonts, and they work with us to make sure they meet all the criteria to pass our verification and be able to print and rip correctly and, and work in documents. So we do work with customers that way as well, people who create their own fonts. Okay, so you have a trial version. So if someone wants to see if Font Agent Pro is for them, they can download a limited period trial version and see what it's like. Yes, we have a fully functional trial version at insidersoftware.com. If you go to the main page, you can click on the new release banner at the top of the page, and that will take you to the Font Agent Pro 6, where you can download the software and give it a try. It's fully functional for 30 days. After that, you make a decision whether you yes. want to buy one. This is available for both the Mac and the Windows platforms. Yes, we have both a Font Agent Pro for both Mac and Windows. The version for Windows is 4.1 at the present time. Okay. And we go where? To insidersoftware.com? Yes, insidersoftware.com, where you can find, through our products tab, you can find all the available products for trial and download. Does this work in the App Store or not? Not yet. We are working towards an App Store release, um, but I, I don't have a date I can tell you, but we are working towards that. And Apple drives, by the way, developers crazy in preparing their software for the App Store, and we wish you luck. I hope it works. Thank you. Okay, Leith Spates of Insider Software. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you, Gene. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don. 
Juan from New Mexico. January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Then my real health began going downhill, and I had uh, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, poor vision, and I really wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess, pretty much. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. I started taking uh, heart and body extract, and from within a few days, I started sleeping a lot better. My blood pressure uh, normalized, my blood sugar normalized, and uh, my sleep really did improve. Experience these benefits and more when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of heart and body extract. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. Folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking heart and body extract. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. Welcome back to Get Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. As we speak to tech journalist Rob Peguerero of USA Today and many other venues, we know that the pre-orders are already being taken for the iPhone 5C. The iPhone 5S, the pre-orders will be taken on the day it goes on sale. Is that because Apple just didn't build enough of them or can't build enough of high-end model? I don't know. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Maybe there's some uh, some layer of unobtainium in the Touch ID sensor or the new camera. Let me explain to our listeners. If you haven't seen the movie Avatar, unobtainium is this metal that they were trying to recover on this far-off planet. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Now we understand what that means. I, I don't know if that's really in the popular culture. That's why I wanted to explain yeah, I've this. I've seen it used in like sci-fi novels way predating that, or maybe I've seen it in like just tech commentary. I guess actually going back to when Apple would be historically horrible but forecasting demand, and so they introduced some great new laptop and couldn't sell any of them because they were not coming off the assembly line fast enough. Well, you know, that takes me back to the PowerBook 500 and what was it 5300 series where yeah. they actually got the power books to appear in two movies, the first Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise. Yeah. And Jeff Goldblum used a power book to save the universe, or at least Earth, Day. in Independence Day. But you couldn't get those computers, especially right. the ones that communicated wirelessly with an alien network. I had to know about that. That's Wi-Fi 802.11XYZ. Well, obviously, they were able to break into the alien network because back then it would have been 802.11b with a wet password, and we all know it's very insecure. So probably an easy nut to crack. Okay, you explained it. Okay, I'm glad we see that. <laughs> okay, now, you notice, as I did, that Wall Street is not happy about the iPhone 5C because Wall Street was expecting something cheaper. Is this a Wall Street problem, or did Apple maybe misjudge something? I think it's a legit critique. Um, if you look at, in some ways, the 5C is, is kind of almost marketing-driven design because, really, it's the iPhone 5 with a plastic back, so it's a little cheaper to make. But, you know, I was saying all along, I think we might have had this discussion, discussion a few months back, Apple already has the cheap iPhone. It's last year's model they sell for a discount, and that's what you have in the 5C, except it's dressed up a little bit. The front camera's a little bit better. Battery's slightly improved. But it's not a huge improvement. 
And in one sense, it's worked because I've had a lot of people ask about, oh, what's what's with the cheap one? And I have to tell them, look at the no contract price. It's only $100 less than the no contract price for the 5S. So many stories have led with the cheap iPhone, the cheaper iPhone. But, you know, if you look at Apple's strategic goals in a lot of markets overseas, $100 less unsubsidized than the old model isn't going to cut it. You know, the, the Chinese market, I think they're looking, you need something cheaper than that. And a lot of these other cases, that kind of seeds the low end of the market to Android phones and Windows phone phones that are cheaper to manufacture. That may be fine for Apple. They're doing very well at chasing profit share. But if this is something that Apple has decided they want to go after, and this is how they decided to go after it with the 5C, then that's a problem. Well, it's certainly a good repackaging job. I mean, had Apple not done that, you would have simply had the iPhone 5S and the iPhone 5. But by making a 5C, which in a sense relabels, repackages the iPhone 5 with the minor enhancements you mentioned, such as the battery, suddenly it becomes a product that's more in demand because it is still this year's model. It's not last year's model. And there's a psychological factor. Now, the other thing is here, I've noticed that in China, Apple is still selling the iPhone 4, not just the 4S, but the 4. So the 4, therefore, being correspondingly cheaper, that becomes the cheapest iPhone yet. It's not sold here, it's sold there. I think Brazil, maybe India. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because when you look at it, the 4 is, you know, my wife still has one through her job. It's a perfectly good phone. It's aged pretty well. So why not? If they can sell a bundle of them in China and elsewhere, why not keep making them? So that's what we're going to have to see. How does this work out when, in fact, you know, at Mobile World Congress in uh, February, I remember being struck by this Nokia 521 Windows phone device, which is pretty good phone. It's not a feature phone. It runs a real smartphone OS. It doesn't have a front camera, but we all got by without that. And that, the, the unsubsidized price is about $150. So it's stuff like that you have to worry about in terms of competition. But Apple's never going to go there. They can't Probably go there. Not. I mean, they don't have, even the Mac Mini is no longer the screen bargain it once was. And the thing is, too, how much money is Nokia making from those cheap phones? They can't be making much. Make it up on volume. I don't know. I mean, I think it is interesting if Windows Phone, the architecture, allows you to make a phone for less than what iOS permits or what Android permits. And that, that could be Microsoft's opening. I think I do think we need a third uh, party in this market to keep Apple and Google honest. And it's not looking like BlackBerry is going to be that third, that third way. Now, is BlackBerry putting themselves up for sale? I got that impression from the last announcement. Could be. I mean, you know, they, they've got a service, BlackBerry Messenger, that a lot of people use. There's certainly, I, I hate to even mention this, but they own a lot of patents. Um, I really hope Intellectual Ventures doesn't buy them. Uh, Paul Allen's patent trolling enterprise. Yeah, that would be unfortunate. That's all we need. Yeah. But therefore, the third power or the third phone would be a Windows phone device. Does that explain where Microsoft bought the Nokia handset division for what I gather you would agree with me are fire sale prices? Well, you know, Nokia's got a long history, and I think that they've got to come back in them. I can see Microsoft doing that. You know, I think they should experiment a little more with integrating hardware and software. You know, the, the Surface was a flawed tablet, but 
you know, practice, practice, practice. The Xbox is a good example of software and hardware integrated very well. So maybe this is what they need to sort of push Windows Phone along a little bit. Well, the question here I always worry about when you have a sale like this, you take one company that's having problems in a particular division or something, and you buy a company that's not doing well, or a division that's not doing well, such as Google buying Motorola Mobility. So how do two, you know, I think of the old silk purse in sow's ear cliche. It doesn't work very often. I don't know. How well was uh, Next doing when uh, Apple bought that? I think that's the only example. That is really the only example. Apple was having problems. Next had failed as a hardware company, had great technology that wasn't going anywhere. It was a marriage made in heaven, but there was a synergy there. Now, I see where Microsoft is going to want to have more control over the Windows phone market. So they take over Nokia. What happens to the other Windows phone licensees, such as Samsung and HTC? That's pretty much it, right? Uh, Yeah, Samsung HTC. I tried the HTC 8XT. I've started reviewing phones on the side for PCMag.com. The 8XT is pretty weak. Right now I'm looking at the uh, Samsung Ativ. I think that's how you pronounce it. Neo S, a Windows phone device for Sprint that seems kind of nice. The funny thing is, of course, we're talking about getting control of Windows phone. Already, if you're an OEM, there's not that much you can do to mix up the Windows Phone interface. You can't slap on your own alternate interface on it the way you could in Android, which I think is is the credit of Windows Phone because a lot of the third-party stuff slathered on Android is not good. It just gums up things and um, makes things more confusing than they have to be. Well, have you heard that, Samsung? I think the junk that's on the Galaxy S4 really hurts that product. I mean... Half the storage space on the 16 gigabyte S4 is junkware. Yeah, Whereas, and, look- uh, you know, I was in uh, Berlin for the EFA Electronics Trade Show last week, and I got to look at the Galaxy Note 3 and the Galaxy Gear, Gear Watch. You can ask me about that later on if you want to. And the Note 3, you know, they've taken it even further where now you have this entire separate grammar of user experience where you break out the stylus and press a button on it to invoke this air command. Basically, it's a right-click menu, which I don't remember being really happy about having as an option in Windows Mobile 10 years ago. I don't know how well it's going to work. You know, I I don't see people doing this standing up on the train or anything or walking down the street. That's interesting about adding all these useless features and thinking there's some value to them. There's plenty of value in what Rob Pecorero says. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a print press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. There's a huge and hushed up conspiracy going on that's about to turn your lives upside down in the coming few months. Unbelievably, the media are keeping quiet about this. I'm sure they know it, but they probably know that revealing it on TV will generate mass hysteria and chaos. But I believe you should be informed about it, because when the sinister agenda is finally accomplished and everything unravels, only those who know this secret info will survive and thrive. Go to 123conspiracy.com right now to see the truth. The video at 123conspiracy.com reveals the real secret reason why Obama is after your guns and ammo. And it's not just in response to mass murders of preparing for war. It's something much darker. Go watch the video now at 123conspiracy.com before they shut it down. Again, that's 123conspiracy.com. You are now in the crosshairs. The NSA and FBI are treating you like a criminal and monitoring your every move. Ron Paul said recently, the evidence of the totalitarian nature of this government is on display undeniably every day. What's taking place right now is a coup and the destruction of the Constitution. Fortunately, there is something you can do about it. Learn how to be invisible, lock down your privacy, and even disappear forever. Go to privacylockdown.com to learn how. That's privacylockdown.com. Attention homeschoolers, teachers, and students of all ages, now there's a way to learn English grammar using the Holy Bible. Sacred Grammar is a unique book that teaches all of the fundamentals of English grammar using Bible verses. Affordable and simple to use, it's a superb supplement and a great teacher's aid. Whether your focus is teaching children at home, strengthening your own writing skills, or just speaking proper English, Sacred Grammar offers all the tools you'll ever need. Learn to use words through His Word. For more information, go to sacredgrammar.com at sacredgrammar.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. 
Rob Peguerero. He works with USA Today and other publications. As a tech journalist, he's a world traveler. So you got to see the new Galaxy Note. And then, of course, there is the Samsung Galaxy Gear smartwatch. Yes, indeed. The, okay, uh... now, before we get to the product itself, the thing that bothers me is that it only mates with two gadgets, the two recent products from Samsung, the Galaxy Note and one yes, other product, a tablet. It may be two more than that, but it's a very small subset of the total Android ecosystem out there. Okay, now, just in comparison with that, you've got the Arm Watch and maybe the Pebble. They work with a lot more devices, don't they? Well, I don't know. One difference is that the Galaxy Gear connects via Bluetooth Low Energy, which is not, I mean, BLE, they call it Bluetooth Smart, is now supported in Android 4.3, but very few devices have it. My Nexus 4 has it, and uh, the Google Play editions of the Galaxy S4 and the HTC One, and I guess the S4 has that as well. Samsung shipped its own Bluetooth stack that supported Bluetooth Smart a while back. But a lot of other phones, the necessary software isn't there. And you do kind of want to use Bluetooth Smart for this because it's supposed to use much less electricity. You know, it just wakes up, sends a little bit of data over over the air to the other device, then goes back to sleep. You know, it's not set up for streaming data full time. And it's what you'd want to use for something like this. All right. Now, when you look at this smartwatch, it's not very smart without being tethered to a device. Right. Uh, I was going to say it's not very small either. I put this on my wrist, and it's almost half an inch thick. Okay, so it's big? It's large and in charge. So if you like really large watches, this is it. If you want a fashion accessory, this is not it. But Yeah, you might have trouble wearing this. uh, You know, if you're wearing a shirt with French cuffs, it might really break the line of the, the shirt that way. Don't wear anything delicate. Right. Or don't wear it. And the problem, of course, you have now with a smartwatch is that Basically, a lot of people don't even wear watches anymore. My son doesn't. I'm not wearing one right now myself. Okay, well, I'm an exception maybe. From the time I was 11 or 12, I'd wake up in the morning, I'd put on my wristwatch. And I tend to buy, you know, watches that do more than just tell time. So I have a guess watch. Not a Rolex, folks. I know there's a rumor out there. Mm -hmm. I have a guess watch, and it has a few extra dials and buttons on it. And that's my fancy watch. Now... I have to look at myself as a potential gadget collector and customer. But the thing is here, are the watches available now? Do they fill any legitimate need, or are they just silly gadgets? I think if you're looking at a larger device, like, say, the Galaxy Note 3, and it's like 5.8-inch screen, it's big, things that free you from having to get this large slab of a phone out of your pocket all the time, that makes sense. You know, to the extent that the watch does things like I don't know. Like, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm going to try this thing out myself and see what it's like and how it sort of weaves its way into my life. You know, I, I do, it's annoying when I have to, like, bring up my phone to see what the time is, but that's the thing. I, I, that's not annoying enough for me to put a watch back on my wrist, even though I have one. It's somewhere downstairs. I'd have to find it first. Well, that's the big thing, too, here. If you really need to tell the time, you don't want to take the smartphone out of your pocket, especially it's a big one, it's a little bit of work to get it out of your pocket, why not just buy a cheap watch? Right. Why spend $300? What is this doing for you for $300? And is there a reason for, say, Apple to get involved? They're saying now, well, the new iPhones, the iPhone 5C was too expensive. 
the 5S, what looks like the last one, forget about the 64-bit and the fingerprint sensor and the motion control coprocessor and all that stuff. Forget about that. You know, nothing new or original there. Whatever it is, when's Apple going to release an iWatch? So is there a need for an iWatch? Do we really need one? And can a company like Apple produce one and sell 50 million? Because if they can't sell lots, tens of millions of these things, they won't do it. I was having a discussion along these lines with uh, somebody else the other day. I could see Apple. I find it more plausible to think that Apple will ship a watch than that Apple will ship a TV. I, I assume that were Apple to ship a watch, they would have foremost in mind things like it has to have great battery life. It can't be this huge, honking, thick thing that looks like it has a GPS receiver hidden under the inside the metal of it. Uh, it would have to have some kind of like style and elegance and, and not be something you'd fuss with. And, you know, yet another thing you'd have to charge every day. I don't know that that's possible. Whereas a TV is, is all kinds of ugly because then Apple is somehow going to get every single cable company in America to bend to its will and not have their interface or branding be anywhere on the screen when that, that very concept appalls every cable company in America. I just don't see it. And you have to look at the position of the cable companies right now and the satellite companies. They're losing subscribers. Not a lot. But like in the past year, maybe a million and a half people left. You're no longer denying that cord cutting exists. That's progress. Right. There is a little bit of cord cutting. So if anything, these companies are seeking ways to retain customers. And maybe that's the argument Apple can give them. We give you a pretty interface. We help you retain your customer base and add more customers because right now you're not doing a pretty good job of it. Apple allegedly is talking to Time Warner Cable about that. The key being, of course, here, that depends on whether Apple wants to work with your cable company and not replace it. Right. And TWC is really an outlier because they've been much more aggressive than others in moving towards direct IP delivery. A while back, they they gave Roku owners the option of watching most or maybe even all of their channels through an app on the Roku box. They just announced a similar arrangement with the Xbox. So... I could certainly see you being able to add a TWC app to the Apple TV, although at that point, Apple really needs to have some better interface for hiding or showing apps in the menu on screen, because if you don't have Time Warner Cable, you're not going to want to see their app show up there. That's just going to be a total waste of pixels. Well, now, of course, they do have services that depend on you subscribing to somebody like HBO Go. You can't get HBO Go unless you subscribe to the supported cable or satellite providers. You can't use Disney for the same reason. But also, there's a point where if you bring up the screen and you've got to scroll through 82 apps, it gets to be ungainly. It's getting there already with Apple TV. They have to find a simpler way. Yeah, and the selection really is kind of random. The the last couple, you know, they added uh, this concert archive, Q-E-L-L-O, I'd never heard of. I'm like, well, that's nice, but you don't have Pandora Web Radio? This Something doesn't quite add up here. I just think it's a holding pattern. Apple is adding and testing things, and maybe they're not sure 100% what they're going to do. Yeah, I can see that. See what works. And at least at this point, the Apple TV is expanding in usefulness. They're selling a fair number of them. I mean, if Roku sold as many as Apple sells of their device, they'd be really hugely successful. Apple has sold 13 million Apple TVs as of a few months ago, 6 million last year. I don't know how many they're selling this year. But if they can sell 5, 10 million a year, that's not so bad. 
And that's not with a whole lot of marketing either. I was, I, I don't know if you saw, I stopped by the Apple store in San Francisco in late July. And it took me a while to find the Apple TV display in the back right corner. They're not paying money to promote that, and they're still selling that many. Rob Pegarero joins us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio, DreamHost.com radio. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy Byproducts from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters. For the love of clean water. September is National Preparedness Month in the U.S., and it's National Savings Month at Freeze-Dry Guy. Are you prepared to save? All Mountain House freeze-dried foods in number 10 cans are now 40% off at freezedryguy.com. These long-lasting foods for emergency preparedness with a guaranteed 25-year shelf life are 40% off at freezedryguy.com. These easy foods for camping, backpacking, hunting, and sailing are 40% off at freezedryguy.com. These delicious foods, freeze-dried to lock in the taste, aroma, and freshness, are 40% off at freezedryguy.com. All cans of Mountain House freeze-dried meats, entrees, fruits, and veggies are 40% off at freezedryguy.com. Be prepared and save 40% now through September 30th at freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD. 
A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system. And a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at Terragonics.com, is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1. One is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. So what is Apple going to do? Right now, the Apple TV is the invisible entity. You know, I don't want to be sexist and say invisible man or invisible woman or something. Mm-hmm. It's the invisible person or entity at Apple's product line. Right, Rob Pegarero? Exactly. So, yeah, I was saying I stopped by the Apple store in San Francisco. They had their Apple TV demo unit all the way in the back corner. Got over there, picked up the remote, and discovered it. they were using a bad HDMI cable or something. It was coughing up HDCP errors, copy protection errors. They thought... Wow, you guys really aren't that worried about how you're presenting this to the public. It's like the old days when you go to, say, a Circuit City store. Remember Circuit City? Right. This was the problem Apple was supposed to solve by running their own stores. That's right. You know, you see these dusty old Macs, and they say, yeah, we carry that, but nobody buys it. And I would think to myself, well, yeah, if I presented a product that way in a store, I wouldn't want anyone to buy it because it would be an, I'd be ashamed to offer it. Yeah. The question is here, does Apple do a TV or do they expand this box? The TV, I just can't get past that being too ungainly for Apple. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a bad fit and involves stuff that they're not really trying to be an expert in. There are plenty of people who do very good monitors out there. Uh, you know, Apple's strength would be in the software and uh, I guess the silicon behind it. They already have this box and maybe they can just, the Apple TV can grow up a little bit. Does this become a magical replacement for everyone's cable? There's a lot of other things in the industry that needs to change first, I think. The other thing to consider here, what Apple could do, and this would be something they're doing with the auto industry, instead of building the widget, supply the software interface. So, therefore, this could be your new Panasonic or Vizio or whatever TV with Apple TV, and you get the logo and everything, and when you turn it on, the interface is totally managed by Apple. And yeah, maybe they would have to meet certain standards of picture quality or something like that. But they do that, what they're best at, which is to deliver a good picture in an affordable package. And Apple handles the software interface, everything from adjusting the TV picture for the best quality to bringing in content. That might be a way. Yeah, I don't see Apple doing that. That that puts too much control of the UX in somebody else's hands. You know, the the company that got rid of the Apple clone market in a pretty cold-blooded manner is not going to let, uh, you know, a Vizio or a Panasonic, certainly not a Samsung, <laughs> uh, 
be in a position where maybe they'll be slow to ship an update they've provided. I just, that, that would be, some part of Apple would have to die for that change to happen, I think. Yes, but understand they're doing that with the auto industry. Apple's not building cars. They're building iOS for cars. So well, that they will offer an yeah. Apple-based interface. So I don't see a problem here because if Apple offers it in a TV set, if someone licenses that, Apple is not really losing a sale. What, to an Apple TV? Yeah, I don't know. It still seems with a car, there's not that much stuff you can do to screw it up. You know, you have a defined set of buttons or whatever because the stereo doesn't really do anything else. Uh, but, you know, the, the Apple TV, the Apple part of it would be the, kind of the dominant part that you'd interact with. On a TV, I don't know. Put, put me down as a skeptic of that. I could be wrong. You could be right. Well, after all, think about Ford and what happened when they went in bed with Microsoft. Right, Ford Sync. That's right. Ford Sync sinks the, in a different way, Ford Sync's caused their rating with J.D. Powers to sink. It sunk or something like that. We, we stretch that verb as far as it can go. If we stretch any further, they'll be listening to another show. Okay, they'll be listening over to Alex Jones next, mm-hmm. and we'll hear about the conspiracies regarding sinking and sunking. But the question, I guess, is raised by the iPhone is, does Apple have a game changer? They seem to think Apple has to have a game changer every week. It's not enough that it was six years between the iPod and the iPhone and three years between the iPhone and the iPad. Now it's 2013. What does Apple do this year? And not just a couple of iterative upgrades for the iPhone. We know about the Mac Pro, but that's really just going to cater to a professional user. What are they doing in the mass market? And that raises that open question again. Yeah, I think that that kind of argument gets a little bit silly. One of the local TV stations had me on the other night, and I said, like, look, this is a maturing market. Smartphones have been around. It's been six years now since the iPhone debuted. Each one is not going to put that big of a dent in the universe anymore. And to expect that is kind of silly. What you should look for is, you know, is Apple coming up with as many smart improvements and tweaks to the experience as other people? And there you can say, for instance, the thing I miss most in iOS is gesture typing on a keyboard. I am way faster with that on my Android phone. And yet in iOS, I'm typing one letter at a time. You know, I get the value of having just one way to enter text. But on the other hand, there's a lot of innovation going on outside of iOS, and Apple so far has not partaken in that. I think screen size inflation is kind of silly. I don't really need a phone that is... Samsung has the 6.3-inch Galaxy... Uh, what's the name of it? Galaxy whatchamacallit. That's the new name. Yeah, Galaxy Mega. I don't need something that looks like I'm holding an iPad mini to my head, but a slightly larger screen is useful. And when I, when I pick up something with only a 4-inch display, I think... This is kind of crowded. I don't know. I have the Galaxy S4 with a 5-inch display, and I understand what the 4-inch display is. We're going to have an iPhone 5C in here next week, maybe a 5S to review. But I don't feel I'm losing that much to go back to the iPhone 4-inch. But I understand that Apple, clearly from what Tim Cook says, wants to get into the larger screen. Yeah, so that that will be uh, we'll be having an interesting discussion next year to see if if that really comes to pass and what a larger screen turns out to be like, I think four and a half is kind of a, that's a good size that still allows single handed use. You get much above that. It gets to be very difficult. And, you know, I think phones should be usable single handed because we're all walking through airports or whatever, or uh, 
showing bad manners and eating. And if you have to use both hands to use the phone, no, that, that just doesn't work for me at all. I think the solution will be here if you get a clown's uniform and you can <laughs> stick all these big gadgets in it. That's the way to do it. Right. Or, well, flight suits, you know, they're, they're great for, with pockets that way. Okay, so maybe Samsung should sell the Galaxy S4 with a flight suit. I mean, it's kind of a difficult thing to pull out of your pocket. I do recall somebody, maybe it was Delta or American last year, announced, or maybe it was the spring they announced that they were going to outfit their flight attendants with a bunch of uh, Galaxy S3s, I guess it was that at the time, for doing things like, you know, taking drink orders and whatnot. And I think yeah, it was Delta just announced they were buying a bunch of Windows phone devices for the same purposes, which... You know, have you seen the age of the uh, credit card terminals United uses on its planes? Maybe these folks should be upgrading to some kind of smartphone to handle this kind of stuff. Well, I see these inventory control machines that some people bring into the convenience store. So they're checking how many soft drinks are in there, how many candies. And these machines are out of the 1980s. And then there's the cleaning store that we go to. They do wonderful cleaning. And they've got all their stuff hooked into this computer system with a dot matrix printer from the 1980s. Oh, boy. Generating your tickets. And I said, isn't there anything newer? And they said, for this industry, there doesn't appear to be. Hmm. Oh, there's Apple's big market opportunity. Yes, dry cleaners. But, you know, there are companies that build accessories for iPhones for the purpose of point of sale. Well, certainly, you know, Square, their credit card reader, and now Intuit has then PayPal of their own products like that. That's totally changed how, you know, so much day-to-day transactions get done at food trucks and farmers markets. You know, one of, one of those things that no one would have predicted when Apple introduced the iPhone and their one follows you with other phones. What we're looking at are not just mobile Internet devices, but also portable cash registers. So much for the claim by some that the iPhone is a consumer-only device, but not with NFC. And I want to ask you about that, because that's another criticism made of the new iPhones, that Apple still does not support NFC. And, of course, a lot of the Android companies do. Does that mean anything or not? That's our cliffhanger for the next segment of our show. Rob Pegarero joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S 
ceramicbodyarmor.com. Ceramic Body Armor is rated to stop six hits. But what about the seventh? Unlike ceramic or Kevlar, Infidel Body Armor is proven to take hit after hit, and it just won't quit. Reasonably priced and designed for the smart civilian prepper, Infidel stops hundreds of hits from small arms to high-powered rifles. That means safety and peace of mind. Buy yours at InfidelBodyArmor.com. Spelled I-N-F-I-D-E-L BodyArmor.com. Infidel Body Armor just won't quit. What if you had a witness everywhere you drive? Now you can with VideoDashCam.com. From truckers to motorcyclists, the handy Video Dash Cam can be used for insurance claims, accidents, police encounters, road rage, or natural disasters. Has instant screen playback and optional night vision. Get the best quality, affordable HD Dash cameras available at VideoDashCam.com. That's VideoDashCam.com. Or call 855-855-2022. Always have a witness with Video Dash Cam. Big business has discovered the preparedness market, and that makes it difficult to know where to go and who to trust. MyPatriotSupply.com is owned and operated by patriots just like you. Has the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more. MyPatriotSupply.com has old-fashioned values and the absolute best customer service in the industry. Look for the deal of the day, unique affordable survival supplies that fit anyone's budget. Get same-day shipping on all orders and free shipping on orders over $49. Call 866-229-0927. 866-229-0927. Or visit MyPatriotSupply.com for emergency preparedness, self-reliance, and food independence. Shop with a name you know and a name you can trust. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. Hello, it's Tom Chenault from The Tom Chenault Show. We are experts in home-based business and residual income. We show people how to make money from their home, either part-time or full-time. And in partnership with Genesis Communication Network, we've organized a team to fight back about people not having money, time, or health. And we need your help. What we want you to do is if you've got an interest in building an organization to fight back against people taking our money, taking our time, and taking our health, we want to talk to you. All you need to do is call this number, 855-308-8326. Again, all you want to do is call 855-308-8326. You can make a tremendous amount of money and end up fighting for a great cause. Please call us right now. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. By the way, people are not leaving the show because of our silly puns about sinking and being sunk and all that kind of thing. Rob Guerrero joins us. He writes with USA Today and other places. So NFC. Now, yes, Apple has communication. Right. Okay. So is that a technology in search of consistency and a purpose? It is, but I think it does have valid uses. There's two I want to call out, and one of which is not so obvious. A lot of people are now using NFC as, as basically the um, crux is the wrong word, but the sort of bootstrap 
system you use to set up a transfer via Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, which means you can skip a lot of the pairing stuff and changing this setting in here and this setting there. Uh, for instance, at IFA, Sony introduced this add-on camera module for smartphones, two of them. And if you can, if you pair this thing up with an iPhone, you're going to have to do a little manual configuration. In Android, you use NFC to talk to the phone, takes care of the initial setup, and then you're automatically connected by Wi-Fi. So that's a usability improvement, I think. The other thing, and I may be proved wrong because <laughs> wouldn't be the first time, NFC is kind of useless for a lot of mobile payments, but for transit, I think it is useful because that's one case where using a credit card is clumsy and slow. I'm actually heading to Seattle next week. The streetcar there, the, the ticket machines, they take credit cards, and it's like 30 seconds. If I could just swipe my phone with NFC, do the transaction for a dollar, boom, done. And in D.C., the Metro, they announced uh, just yesterday they're going to start buying some new fare gates that apparently are going to allow payment by smartphone. And that's got to be by NFC because there's no other system around. And I know that right now when I travel, I have two or three different uh, RFID smart cards for different transit systems. I have one for Metro in D.C., one for BART in the Bay Area. And that's kind of stupid because these things, they're easy to lose. If you put them in the wallet, in your wallet, they're going to crack and then stop working. But I have my phone, and I want to keep track of that. And if that works in, to pay for transit in more places, that's an upgrade. What about security for NFC? You have to keep your phone secure already. I think you have to keep your credit card secure already. In fact, it was a friend on Facebook was complaining earlier that she had had uh, two unauthorized uses of her cards not recently. And with NFC, for large purchases, you can acquire a PIN, which is not the case with your credit card. You know, for small purchases, you just got to call it in to get it shut off, but that's the same as a credit card. It does become important that you be able to control access to the phone at large. To me, the, the Touch ID on the iPhone 5S, that is interesting if they can make that work easy to use and, and get more people to lock their phones at all. You know, I, I do have a screen uh, pattern lock on my phone, and a lot of people don't bother. You know, I think you have to have something that stops people from pawing around the phone when they pick it up. Well, the preliminary tests I've read of Touch ID, it seems to be fairly flexible. seems to work pretty easily. They claim it takes maybe 30 seconds or so for it to recognize your fingerprint, and then it comes up near instantaneously, except you also have to enter a passcode as a backup. Sure. Yeah, I mean, if, if you have some industrial accident and you lose your finger, then <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, there's always got to be some sort of fallback routine, which, you know, I guess there's other ways you could exploit that. Somebody sent around a picture on Twitter showing some some dad asleep in his lounge chair, and in the front is his daughter putting his thumb on his iPhone so that she can then play with it. So obviously there are some ways to defeat this particular security system. Well, you know, look what they do on TV on the spy shows. They take off the person's finger, or if Apple uses a retina camera, to pick up your eye, well, they'll figure out that, too. They'll take your eye out. like James Bond movie involving that kind of uh, defeat at that sort of system. Right. So either way, there's going to be some kind of gruesome method. But I think the long and short of it is we have a few minutes left. What does Apple do to reclaim Wall Street's respect? Because it's not that they did anything that was unexpected or particularly unexpected with their announcements. They added a few technological things that maybe we didn't anticipate. But most of what happened, we knew about. Apple, obviously, is packaging better. They're adding, with new iPhones and new iOS devices, the free iLife and iWork apps. So they're bundling. They're giving you real bundled software, not junkware. These are 
best-selling products. Okay, they're doing all that stuff, and you think, well, you know, the features they added are pretty much useful. Just about everything on there has a purpose. The motion, M7 motion sensor for fitness apps, that That sort of thing. That's a lot, because that sort of matches a similar effort that Google's putting into the Android software. It looks like Apple's going to have a more overall optimized system that'll only work on one phone. With Android, this uh, activity monitor API is going to work in a lot of phones. Either way, it doesn't make for uh, a pleasant short-term future for people making separate activity trackers like this uh, little uh, white thing's pulse I'm holding in my hand right now or the jawbone up wristband because you already take your phone everywhere. And if that does a good enough job of monitoring how many steps you take in the day, then why pay $100 for this extra widget? Well, Apple developing that technology, if they do an iWatch, that would be one thing it could do. Right. So think about that. Look at the future of that. It's not just that particular product. The future, the point being that everything Apple added seems to have some sense about it. Better pictures, better low-light performance, the fingerprint sensor, the motion sensor, which is going to work with maps also. So if you're walking... It'll give you one display. If you're in the car, it'll give you another. That kind of thing. More intelligence about things. More intelligence about the features, not just adding junk. But what does Apple do to gain respect? You know, this is not a company that has been managed with an eye towards pleasing the stock market. You know, you look at the amount of time they spend massaging Wall Street's expectations. And I think that's good. There's too many companies that chase the market's approval and they sacrifice themselves in the long run when they're trying to meet a quarterly earnings goal. So, yeah, the expectations game, I've, if I were running Apple and I'm glad I don't, I would just say surprise and delight your customers. And that does mean, you know, at a certain point that the iPhone is going to need some kind of more dramatic shift in what it does than what we've seen so far. doesn't mean Apple needs to copy every stunt feature that shows up on other phones. But, you know, there are some good ideas bubbling up out there, and Apple might do well to copy some of them. And some of it is, you know, notifications are getting a little bit better. The control center in iOS 7 is... An overdue borrowing from Android, but appreciated nevertheless. But then, of course, will Apple decide to adopt NFC? Why do they still stay away from it? Or maybe they didn't have enough time. They added all this other stuff, so they have to wait to the next generation to see where NFC is going. Or are they waiting for it to develop better? That's interesting, because it could be a case where, you know, a year from now, if you're using an iPhone, you feel bad because you have to wait behind the people at the slower subway turnstile. I mean, I can tell you that when I do gesture typing on an Android device, you know, people will only use iOS will say, what are you doing? How's that work? Really? And that there's a certain wow factor. And I'm not trying to rub it. I'm just like, it's a skill I've had to learn. It works pretty well. It's kind of neat. So, yeah, I think I like to think that when Apple does add NFC and I can't see them you know, rejecting that forever, it will work reliably. It will be elegant. It will not have some of the, the fumbling nature of some of the first implementations of it that I've seen. It's kind of like they weren't the first with LTE either because the first LTE chips use humongous amounts of power. They waited until things were refined, and maybe that's the point here too. Because if you look at what Phil Schiller said last year when asked about NFC, he was talking about the bugs, the lack of support, and he's thinking in terms of the future, and he didn't say we'd never do it, just like Apple Tim Cook doesn't say we'll never have a larger screen. It's just that we perceive there are issues now to have to be resolved. So, therefore, there is the Apple solution, which isn't always the first to market. They weren't first with the tablets. weren't first with music players. Obviously, we're not first with smartphones. Rob Pegarero, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. 
You can find me on Twitter as at Rob Picarero. My website is robpicarero.com. I do a Q&A column for USA Today. It runs on Sundays if you're having problems with your phone or your laptop or your TV. Drop me a note sometime. I also write for Discovery News, a tech policy blog called the Disruptive Competition Project. You can see me every now and then on PCMag.com and maybe Ars Technica and the Internet, I guess. Rob Pegarero is everywhere. You can find us on Twitter, where we are known as Tech Night Owl. We are Tech Night Owl on Twitter. And you can also find Gene Steinberg on Facebook. And if you do, more than likely, he's me. We also have another radio show about UFOs and all the wacky, weird stuff, things that go bump in the night. And this weekend, we're going to talk with the new executive director of an organization called MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, which has been around for 44 years investigating UFOs. How about that? Here on the Tech Night How Live. Rob Pegarero, thanks for joining us on the show. You're welcome. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.